Let's go in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 20, 23. The crises in chapter 21, the causes of this crisis, crisis is 21, the last part, and chapter 24, the first part. The cases that are brought in chapter 22, 15 to 46, the royalist, the rationalist, the religionist and the recordist, all those that oppose the Lord's ministry, the Herodians, Sadducees, Pharisees and scribes represented in that. And now the curses. And I don't know if you're keeping it in your mind of Matthew, but it started where there was a clean slate open ministry. Now we're getting to the point the crisis has been reached, the cross is coming and it's getting, the, the people, religious people are just narrowing in and honing in on the Lord and it's getting increasingly harder to minister. And the Lord deliberately at times avoiding going to Jerusalem because it wasn't his time yet, went out of the midst of them at occasions. I would have grabbed him. The Lord was able to do that. But it's getting to the point now, like he in chapter 23, he's just front on, really stirring them up, really angering them. He knew the time had come to lay, lay it down. And the, the locals probably loved this. <laughs> yeah, someone needs to tell them, fellas. They're doing what they've done for so long and kept us in bondage, in spiritual bondage. And here's someone that's speaking the truth. And we can understand him. And so we have the curses that come. We've looked at the anger of the Lord directed. Well, we started looking at that in verses 1 to 36. Jesus publicly condemns the Pharisees, their coveted position of honor, verses 1 to 3 of chapter 23. We looked at that. Um, <clears throat> they coveted the position of honor, their carnal practice of hypocrisy, verses 4 and following, what the leaders desired. The adherence of men, the admiration of men, the advancement of men, and the adulation of men, down to verse 12. Now we go to the, what the leaders declared. We see what they desired in those first 12 verses. Now what they declared in chapter 23 and verse 13. <clears throat> Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for ye neither go in yourselves neither suffer them that are entering to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers, therefore ye shall receive the greater damnation. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye compass sea and land to make one proselyte, and when, when he's made, ye make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. Hmm. Woe unto you, Ye blind guides who say, Whosoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing. But whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is a debtor. Ye fools and blind. For which is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctifieth the gold? And whosoever shall swear by the altar, it is nothing, they say. But whosoever sweareth by the gift that is upon it, he is guilty. Ye fools and blind. For which is greater, the gift or the altar that sanctifieth the gift? Whosoever therefore shall swear by the altar sweareth by it, and by all things on it. And whosoever shall swear by the temple sweareth by it, and by him that dwelleth in it. And he that shall swear by heaven sweareth by the throne of God, 
and by him who sitteth on it. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, again for your confrontation of these religious hypocrites and uh, giving us an insight of how they live, what they think, what they believe. And I pray, Lord, if we find ourselves among the hypocrites, we'd do something about that and humbly confess we've lost our way spiritually. And Lord, I pray that we would be warned about those that are around that are like just like this. And we do have a lot of religious people in Australia, but they're not going to heaven. And we pray for the awakening of their souls as they read the word of God. Keep us careful to maintain true biblical Christianity. We ask and pray your blessing now in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so we've, as I've mentioned, we've seen what the leaders, these religious leaders desired. Now we see what they declared. Verse 13 to 22. The Lord started his public ministry with eight beatitudes. He's ending his public ministry with eight curses. This is where it's led to. There are eight woes given not out of personal vindicativeness, but as a summary of Israel's spiritual state and where they were, they, where they were at in their spiritual life. We first of all, in the first woe, there's eight woes, mark, mark them, so you can see this is what it's talking about. And we just read the four of them, and that's all we'll Lord willing cover tonight. The first woe is given there in verse 13. The hypocrisy of their preaching. They prevented people from accepting Christ and barricaded and barred and bolted them out from entering heaven. Religious people. Of all people, you'd think they're the ones that are opening the door and saying, come, like we read this morning, come, come, come. But here they are locking people out, not allowing them to enter in. They're shutting up the kingdom of heaven. Are we doing that? Oh, never. Ask yourself the question. Our neighbours, they watch what we do. They hear what we say. We're living so close. Are we shutting up heaven? The folk at our workplace, if, uh, if someone was going to go around and talk to them and you start talking about the Lord Jesus, oh, yeah, I've heard that from someone that used to work here. They, they call themselves a Christian. I won't have anything to do with it. You see, we can shut up heaven by our testimony, by our behavior, and by the way we do and say things. The testimony is ruined of the Lord Jesus. The testimony, opportunity to t share the good news with these people has been lost and so it was in that day the Lord was opening the gate again for people to get saved, to come unto him as he opened his arms and welcomed all. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Romans chapter 2. Let's turn there. There's a few verses here. We just read through them and see how these Jewish people bolted and barred and uh, forbid people to go to heaven. And um, <clears throat> Paul put it so well. He, he knew what he was talking about because he was one of them. <laughs> He'd been there, done that, and done it all wrong. And it's recorded here in Romans 2, verse 17. Behold, 
thou art called a Jew, and just replace that with Christian. We're not changing the Bible, <laughs> but, but say for personal application, you can put there, you know, behold, thou art called a Christian, and rest us in the scriptures, the law. Make us to boast of God. You know, I'm a Christian, look at me. And knowest his will, and approvest the things that are more excellent, being instructed out of the law. They knew the Bible. They knew what's in the Bible, in the law. And art confident that thou thyself are a guide of the blind, a light of them who are in darkness. We are the Jewish nation. God spoke to us only. We are the nation to send the light through the world. How dare anyone else take our position? <laughs> We've got it. You guys haven't. And what a terrible attitude they had. And we're not going to share it either. <laughs> they didn't want to take it out there to these people. An instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, who has the form of knowledge and of the truth in the law. Notice he's bringing in a form of knowledge. <laughs> We can have everything in our head but nothing in our heart. We can know all this truth but does it affect our lives? And that's what I say is the danger of Bible college. You cram your head full of knowledge and you haven't got the, the lifespan to experience it as you learn it. I'm not saying don't do it but be very careful when you do it. It's just not all facts without the living and experiencing the truth of the word. You know, that's why apprenticeships are much better. <laughs> they, they teach you as you go how to do it. Christian apprenticeship. Have we developed one of those yet? T Tony used that word in the afternoon uh, business meeting. He said, a pre a, he, he talked about assistant pastor as an apprentice. <laughs> and that's really learn on the ground. Learn as you're doing it. Who was at the Melbourne Bible Conference? It must have been about eight years ago when Andrew stood up and asked the preacher who runs a Bible college, don't you think it should be done in a local church with, with people learning instead of going to a Bible college? Oh, Andrew. Oh, sorry, Andrew, are you listening? <laughs> he probably remembers that and the response to it. And this is in front of the whole hundreds of them. <laughs> anyway, he asked the question. What about learning on the ground as experiencing the truth as you learn the truth? Anyway, this knowledge. Careful. Knowledge puffeth up, love edifieth. Thou therefore who teachest another, teachest thou not thyself? See, you're telling others, but you're not willing to live it. Thou that preachest a man should not steal, does, do you steal? Thou that sayest a man should not commit adultery, Dost thou commit adultery? Thou that abhorrest idols, dost thou commit sacrilege? That, that thou mayest, <coughs> that thou, thou that makest thy boast of the law, through breaking the law, dishonorest thou God. For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you, as it is written. You see where we've gone from? Looking at the hypocrisy of their preaching. They preached one thing and practiced another thing. And through that, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles. Those Jews, they say this and they don't do what they preach. That's their problem. And they, the Gentiles said, no way are we going to learn about their God. We'll have our own gods. They're better than their gods. Is God's name blasphemed by people we know because of how we've lived before them? That's the question. That's where the rubber meets the road here. 
by what happens in your house, the people here, by your children out there? Are they causing people to reject the message of the gospel? Your actions are speaking so loud, I can't hear your words, they could say. <laughs> well, circumcision, and he, he launches into this, and because he knew what they thought of circumcision. Verily profiteth, if thou keep the law, but if thou be a breaker of the law, thy circumcision is made uncircumcision. I don't care if you go to church. I don't care if you're baptized. I don't care if you call yourself all these things. If your Christianity doesn't measure up to my understanding of it, I'm having nothing to do with it. Therefore, if thy uncircum the uncircumcision keep the righteousness of the law, shall not his uncircumcision be counted for circumcision? In other words... There are non-Christians in our society who live better Christian lives, let's say, in quotes, than what Christians do. That's what it's saying there. And they're looking at us, well, what are you guys doing? And I mentioned the social gospel this morning. That is where they do things for people but never give the message to the people. But let's not go the other way that people don't want to listen because we don't do for them some things that will sort of, well, yeah, these Christians mean business. They live in it. <clears throat> and not, shall not uncircumcision, which is by nature, if it fulfill the law, judge thee who by the letter and circumcision does transgress the law. He is not a Jew who is one outwardly, but neither is that circumcision which is outward of the flesh. But he is a Jew. Let's say he is a Christian, for application's sake, who is one inwardly. <laughs> That's where it matters. And circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, and not in the letter, not the outward show of things. So the, hypo the hypocrisy of their preaching. And let's make application. What about us? When we go to speak to a person, have they a receptive ear, a receptive heart, because they've seen your testimony. I pray that you've had opportunity because that's the best way to plant the seed from a life that's living it. Verse 14, and you know how that is in any area of life. We see the second woe comes in verse 14. <clears throat> woe unto the scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Devour widows' houses. The hypocrisy of their prayers is the next one. They're preaching their prayers. Long, pretentious prayers. You devour widows' houses, and for pretense make long prayers. Therefore ye shall receive the greater damnation. You can imagine them visiting the widow's house. The Pharisee, one of these guys, and they get in, they get in the door, and they start praying, and they're doing all their stuff. They're all dressed right, too, for the occasion. And the, and the widow's looking up with one eye. When's he going to finish? Please get out of here. I don't want you in this house. It's more of a curse than a blessing to have you here. And I can say they're just looking and glad the time they see them going out the door because they know they're there for wrong reasons. Um, <clears throat> a prayer is not measured by its size but by its sincerity. Not by its length but by its death, depth. The thief on the cross, was it? Was someone else? His prayer was, Lord, save me. No. Forgive me. Forgive me. Remember, remember. remember me. Thank you. That was a deep prayer, wasn't it? This was eternal business. 
He didn't have to pray a long prayer to get saved. And remember that. It's not the length, but it's the depth of the prayer. Who were these hypocrites exploiting? In verse 14, we've just read, widows. Instead of providing compassion, protection, they were exploiting the widows. You've heard the term gold digger? You heard that term? It's been flung around a few areas where I've been. Do you think I'm a gold digger? <laughs> and things like that. I, I think these people were. You see, they realised that if they went to a widow's, a, a lady's house that had lost a husband, the husband probably laboured long and hard to build up assets. These guys come in, did their long prayers, and if they're anything like the fellow that prayed for me, the, the fellow over in Israel, he, he prayed for us and our kids. I don't know if it, I don't think it got to heaven, but he, he he prayed, and then he asked if I had grandchildren, and at that time we did have a few. And he, he prayed, he mumbled off in something, and immediately he shot out his hand. Mm -hmm. He had his hand like that, and it was all notes, no coins, notes, and the hundred, hundred shekel was on top, the biggest one. And he pay me for praying for you. <laughs> Just like this. And I imagine that when they went to the widow's houses, they had their hands out, give me. I pray for you, and you're going to have God's blessing because of my prayer. Hogwash, <laughs> if that's a word. No, it wasn't going to happen. God wasn't going to bless because of their prayers. Not at all. And, <clears throat> and I refused to give him any. And then he reacted. And Andrew come to the rescue. <laughs> he wasn't right there. He was back a little bit up the stairs. I remember he was right there in a, in a jiff. And let the uh, young... Young, young Orthodox man, know it. I thought, you know, how, you know how at school when there was a, a fight at school, maybe you haven't experienced this. It doesn't happen anymore. Fight, fight, <laughs> and everybody from the whole schoolyard would turn up and oh, who's who's beaten who up? And I thought that's what it felt a bit like in Israel, Andrew. <laughs> fight, fight, and I left you to it. <laughs> Me and Joe went off down the stairs. <clears throat> um. Andrew come away smiling. And as he talked to the other orthodox, older Orthodox man who said, yeah, you explained him pretty well. That's what that one the Orthodox knew the other and knew that that's, you explained and told him what he was. If Andrew's going to edit this sermon if he's going to use it <laughs> for Israel. But they, they did this. They come into houses and got in as gold diggers to take away the labour of the husband. They should have been giving. They should have been lending their hand in service to these people. Instead, they were trying to get from them and take from them. Now, be careful that we don't do that. Remember the story of the widow's might <laughs> in Luke chapter 20 and verse 47. Take notice of that. In Deuteronomy 10, verse 17 to 18, 27, 19. It talks about the widows and the, the, how their needs were to be met. And you see, in the day, there was no social security. There was no safety net. There was nothing like that for them. Unless the 
they obeyed the Bible and provided for those that were without. And this is why in the book of James it tells us, purer religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, and it often comes to my mind, to do what? Widow, widow, visit the widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. That's pretty simple, isn't it? How about visiting some of the widows? Wives without husbands, husbands without wives who are in their older years and struggling hard and have got no one to talk to. And uh, they love to talk if you've been there. Psalm 68 verse 5 reads, A father to the fatherless and a judge of the widows is God in his holy habitation. God is interested in them. These people are only interested with their pretentious prayers to get advantage of these poor people. And how many times have you heard that millions of dollars have been sucked out of Australia by these people that, what do you call it, fleece, promise this and promise that? And I don't know how people are gullible enough, maybe I'll get old enough to be gullible enough to open their wallets, to give them a credit card number and to give them bank numbers. You know, they'll suck them in by saying, you have won $20,000. Hogwash. I have had a widow of recent days saying, I'm going to show somebody all um, the things that I've renounced. And one of them is that I could have been a millionaire from all this money that people have offered me. I said, no, no. They're, what do we call them? Con men. Con men. Scammers. Yeah, scammers. <coughs> They're out there to do people in, and they are getting a hold of people's goods. Don't answer them. Don't think you've won anything. You haven't. Don't get anything for nothing. Hypocrisy of their prayers. The hypocrisy of their proselytes. Verse 15. The third woe, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you compass sea and land to make one proselyte, and when you've made him... You made him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. Wow. <laughs> Can you be, put yourself there on the day that this was preached? Here's all these religious people gathered together. Here's all the locals around. And Jesus is saying this. <laughs> you know that if you're a local, yeah, <laughs> give it to him another one. <laughs> and another one. <laughs> and the Lord was giving it to him, all right, eight times. And... Uh, they probably wanted more of us. The longest sermon they, the locals wanted was this one. <laughs> to, to let these fellows have it because we're sick of them. And so the world is sick of religious people. In our world today, unsaved people realise there's something radically wrong with the church when they start voting yes for gay marriages, for same-sex marriages. There's something severely wrong. They... Uh, what's going on? The church that says no is saying yes. It should be saying no. And on moral issues, we, sh we shouldn't be having a debate about it in the government. The government's not making up our moral decisions for us. The Bible is making our moral decisions for us. And, and here we've let it get so far that the government is making these decisions. Woe to the church. <clears throat> the hypocrisy of the proselytes. A proselyte means to come over. 
And in Israel today, a young yeshiva student is easier to talk to. There's the ones that have gone from other countries over there or from their own country where they've gone to learn the law of the Lord. They're easy to talk to when they're young and, and uh, still forming their opinions. But once indoctrinated by the Orthodox, once they have become a proselyte of a certain rabbi, they're set in a trench, as it were, a grave with both ends kicked out, and they're in the grave, spiritually speaking. They have gone over. They're a proselyted. <clears throat> and it says twofold more the child of hell. Two times as much as a son of Gehenna. When a person is converted to something that's false, it's double tragedy, isn't it? Twice as hard, because you don't only have to try to win them to the Lord. In fact, you don't even start there. You have to unwin them from their false teaching. And they're all, all tied up with their head with this stuff. And with the internet today, it's getting double, double tragedy, isn't it? They're listening to all these different ones. Um, <clears throat> Jesus said before he comes there will be all these Christs little Christs going around confusing everything and everyone so that the real the person with the real message is finding it very hard to get the message across because well yeah I've got mine just leave me alone <laughs> Jesus was not condemning witnessing but pros proselytizing people to Pharisaic rabbinical Judaism over by the Talmud instead of by the Torah. A Paul proselyted people, didn't he? Everywhere he went. Where did he go first to? Every town he went to. To the Jew first, to the synagogue first. He went there and he was trying to win them to who? The Lord Jesus from Judaism. He was proselytizing and it's not wrong to do that. You read through the book of Acts. Let's go to one and this is in Acts 17 and verse 22. And then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens. Where's Athens? What country? Greece. Greece. Yep. I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. For as I passed by, I behold... And he, he did a wonderful job at getting the message to these people. He didn't make it offensive, but he was trying to win them over to the Lord Jesus and the message of the gospel. I beheld your devotion. He's saying something, you're, you're very devoted. I admire your commitment here. I found an altar to the, with this inscription to the unknown God. So he used something they knew about, that they, they knew that that was there, to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship. You're already worshipping him, but you don't know who he is. Let me tell, me, let me tell you about him. <laughs> what a technique he used on these people. <laughs> God who had who had made the world and all things that are in it, seeing he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. He's not worshipped with men's hands as though he needeth anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. And, and then he went on. <laughs> he said that they should seek, in verse 27, the Lord, if happily they might feel after him and find him, for he is not far from every one of them. God is not far from people that are seeking him. He's ready, he's wanting, he's wishing that that would come to him. In him we live and move and have our being. By him all things consist, says in Colossians. As certainly also of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. 
And that's really starting to think. You see, Paul, in, in this, to the Greeks, is winning them over from what they believed and all these idols they had to the unknown God. And uh, he's winning them to the Lord. And uh, pray that we might meet some of those ones in heaven and how effective the message was that he gave there. The, th- the fourth and last one is back in, the, not the last, the middle, the, the last one for this evening, the woe of verse 16 down to 22. The hypocrisy of their precepts. As their folly is expressed in verse 16 to 19, they swore by the gold of the temple and not by the temple. They totally turned the values of these things around by their artificial values. You don't have to keep your oath if you swear by the temple, but if you, you do if you swear by the gold. They had their values all wrong. <laughs> and so do religious people today. Got their values all wrong. They're religious. They think about, you know, doing a cake stand for the for the building or whatever. It's just not on. We we have voluntary offerings free will donations of the saints to fund the ministry we don't go out to the unsaved trying to sell them things to get them to pay for things in the church Uh, but anyway their folly is expressed they swore by the gift on the altar and not and not by the altar which is the which sanctus which one sanctifies the other well the altar where all the sacrifices are given Again, they graded O's according to their artificial distinctions in, in, in doing this. Their folly is exposed in verse 20 to 22, is it? Whosoever therefore shall swear by the altar, sweareth by it, and by the things on it, as we just mentioned. And whosoever shall swear by the temple, sweareth by it, and, the, and by him that dwelleth in it, the Lord. And he that sweareth by the heaven sweareth by the throne of God and by him who sitteth on it. And so here we see, verse 20 to 22, the spiritual bankruptcy of Israel and their leaders, the spiritual leaders. It's no different today. Justifying spiritual perversion, justifying sodomism I mentioned before, Polluted marriages, promotion of women to preachers, perversion of prophecy through spiritualization, spiritualizing, they say, perversion of scripture, versions, allegorizing scripture. This is all a perversion. And uh, they're swearing by the same thing, (laughs) by the wrong thing, sorry. Humanism, fairy telling. You go to a, a church and ask the people, what did you learn today? What did the preacher say today? What was it he's aiming at? (laughs) Did he have a truth? Did he have it from God's word? Was it his own idea? Was it some story he had? We'll use stories to illustrate the spiritual truth. But just telling a story about life is not going to get people saved. (laughs) They perverted true sacrifice in verse 20. They perverted true sanctity in verse 21. And they perverted true supremacy in verse 22. Heaven and God and his throne is supreme over the temple and the altar, which are you going to swear by? Yet the Pharisees said to swear by heaven was nothing. And so how perverted they were. I pray that you might learn something, what not to do and what to do as you read through this.
this would be a good sermon to preach if you had opportunity in a mainline church somewhere. I don't think you'll get it. <laughs> I remember way back when Brendan Davies, remember? When he was up in Mount Beauty, he just started coming here and he was on the preaching roster in the, was it Uniting Church that they went to? Or? Uniting Church it was. And so he said, I'm leaving on that day. He'd sold the, but he, he was rostered to preach. And I think they have three references they can choose to preach from. And so um, he learnt enough to be able to preach the truth and let him have it for an hour plus. They were used to 10-minute sermons, of course. And so he'd, I think he gave the revelation of prophecy and things in one hit. And they were, what is happening in our pulpit? How can this man say these things? Well, it's only the truth of God's word you haven't heard for years. You need to hear it. And it would be good if next week in Albury, each one of you men were allowed to stand up and preach a sermon from the truth of God's word and just lay it on the line. Wouldn't it be an opportunity? <laughs> and, and let the people know the truth and release them from the bondage of religion to the liberty known in Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Now, I'm not going to say, if you're all missing next week and you're trying to steal a pulpit, no, no. <laughs> only if you're invited, and probably won't be, if the Lord will. The Lord's going to do, hey, the Lord's going to steal the pulpits of these people that don't preach the truth. He's going to do it when the tribulation starts. And these falsies are going to have to stand up the next Sunday after the rapture and explain what happened. I can hear them waffling on trying to explain, you know, why are you, the preachers, still here? These other preachers are gone. The other congregations are gone. Why, why haven't you been telling us? You know, there'll be some riots in some churches that day. There'll be a, it'll be the, the liveliest sermon and time and activity in the church. But then I think they will subdue them and through their sweet talking, talk people around to saying, these people were the problem makers. They're gone. We're left. And they have one big uniting church around the world. That's what it'll be, one world church, where Antichrist will be the one worshipped. That's what it says in Scripture. And uh, I pray that many will not fall for it, but seek the Lord. <clears throat> pray that he might save some of these unsaved preachers. That the truth might be taught in these places. That come to an understanding of that. And uh, we had a young man from the church here years and years ago, just was a Uniting Church chap and he was out at the weir. He was painting a picture and the youth group walked past at a tabletop, was it? No, out there somewhere at the weir and we're going down and a young fellow from the church went up and said, oh, that's nice and that, and what do you do? And started talking and engaging this preacher in conversation. Then it gone on to spiritual things and the young fella just, Bible verses. <laughs> now the preacher was stuck. He didn't know how to answer a young man, just an older teenager, because he had the truth and couldn't answer it. You know, do you know it enough to be able to do that? Even to those that are learned, who are hypocrites? I pray that we do. Pray for good opportunities. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. <clears throat>
Oh Lord, we see what happened back then and the religious people lost the plot. And so it is in our world today, in so many circles, they all dress up and they look like they're spiritual. Long prayers, preaching that's perverted. Lord, they really have a problem when they're spiritual. I pray that you'd open doors of opportunity for the folks here to go out and talk to people that have been hoodwinked by these. Lord, that we have to pull down things before we can put up the truth. Give us wisdom to do that as we have opportunity. Lord, you may lead us the way and pathway of some of these people. May we take the opportunity and be enlightened enough ourselves from the scripture to be able to give him an answer for the reason of the hope that is in us with meekness and fear. I ask and pray your blessing as we go our way in Jesus' name. Amen.